Supply Posse. If you listen to each episode as it's released, you may notice a theme that's been taking place during the past few episodes. Bold, vibrant colours are a feature of today's guest artist, Holly Forbes, which links her to these episode themes of late. I'm not quite sure why I'm finding myself drawn to such colourful artists and their artwork, of course, but hey, I welcome it. Hello, Holly. Welcome into the Art Supply Posse. Hello there. So glad you could make time to join us. Thank you so much for uh, sitting down and chatting with me. So, of course. Thank you for the opportunity. My first question is, who is Holly Forbes? That's uh, not an easy question to answer <laughs> because <laughs> as humans, we have like so many different parts of ourselves, but to sum it up in a nutshell i was born in trinidad which is mm-hmm. an island in the caribbean mm-hmm. i currently live in the united states and the state that i live in is southern florida mm-hmm. or florida but i live in the south part of it uh i went to college and i did not study art i actually studied nutrition mm-hmm. and i currently mm-hmm. work as a clinical dietitian I've realized over the years that I have various passions. Nutrition's one of them. Art is one of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, If I'm not painting, you can find me either outdoors, walking, at the gym, lifting weights, at a museum, at like an arcade place or bowling or something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that kind of just sums me up in a little tiny nutshell. It does. But just wanting to put a little tiny point on things, Have you been affected by the current hurricane stuff that's going on? No. So uh, thankfully it will. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for ones that were affected, but it originally seemed like it was headed our way and then it shifted Mm -hmm. a bit west. So I live in like the southeastern part Mm -hmm. of Florida. So Mm -hmm. we got like some of the outer bands, got a lot of rain. I was heard there were some tornadoes that yeah. touched the ground yeah. uh, but I wasn't affected by the tornadoes either I, I mean I could see how like rainy and windy it was mm-hmm. uh, I like live in, a, in an apartment on the second floor yeah. and I opened a door which is like in the middle it's like completely covered yeah at least for like 50 feet I opened a door and like immediately got wet because that's how windy it was but yeah, wow. we weren't affected yeah it's I've got some friends online friends that I talk to and they've been affected by it and it's just been so so scary and it hadn't even occurred to me just just till then when you were saying where you're living now and I'm like oh my goodness I hope you haven't like stopped dealing with that for this but you know you know I don't think we'd be able to (laughs) (laughs) oh no it's just it's scary just seeing the images come through and you're just like oh my goodness I've never experienced it before it's not something we sort of especially not in my part of Australia and it's just like you see the images in the video and it's like oh my goodness it's scary yeah I haven't experienced it either but seeing cars floating it's like whoa what happened there yeah that's a whole nother level that's just like um like movie level of scariness you know (laughs) yeah definitely so getting back to to being to where you were born where, how old were you when you moved from Trinidad to America? I was, I think, 11 or 12. Oh, okay. Yeah. So still youngish. Yeah, still youngish. But like most of my family is from Trinidad and most of them still live there. Mm-hmm. And I go back as often as I can. Oh, so 
it's like my roots are still there. Yeah. They are. Yeah. Uh, even like living in America, we actually moved to like Canada first, which is still part of North America. Yeah. Um, I moved to Canada first and I've lived in, at this point, three different states in the United States. So mm-hmm. whenever someone asks me where I'm from, that's why I say Trinidad. <laughs> that's literally where I'm from. I'm yeah. born there. Yeah. I'm still in there and I move around a lot. So yeah. Yeah. So do you think, do you think that that where you were birth, your birthplace, your roots, your connections that still exist to Trinidad, do you think that influences your work? Like I realise I'm jumping straight into that and sort of, you know, starting off easy, but I am curious to know how much of that heritage do you think comes through in your work? Uh, I mean, so Trinidad is big on culture mm-hmm. and arts and yeah. tourism. Um one of the things that Trinidad is known for is something called carnival, which mm-hmm. is like this grand time of the year, um, early like February, March. Um, and it's highlighted by a lot of different like music, a lot of different costumes. And so potentially that could be um, part of maybe why my work is so colorful, like kind of yeah. just subconsciously not even yes. knowing it. Because yeah. I actually yeah. never thought about that until you just asked like, hmm, maybe – Maybe it is a part of of that. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it isn't. <laughs> That's yeah. like where I'm from. Yeah. Uh, so I think that could be part of it. Yeah. I think if you, on a subconscious level, if you are used to being surrounded by color in whatever form or way, I think it probably comes through without you even just contemplating it, acknowledging it, because it's just there all the time. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's just one of those things that sits there as part of you, and you don't even know it's there. Definitely, I've never thought about that, but I'm. I'm, Thank you for bringing that out. (laughs) That's okay. I just when I like obviously I don't. I've never been to Trinidad. I don't know a lot about it, but my 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 limited knowledge. I would have said if someone asked me, I would have said bright colors. It's just part Mm -hmm. of what I guess the imagery I've seen of the country. So that's probably why it was in my my thoughts. Yeah. So, Definitely. So what what's your first artistic memory? And now this can be this can be one of two things. This can be say for example the first time you experienced a a museum or a gallery or perhaps you've seen someone making art or on the flip side of that it could be actually your first artistic memory of you making art that's really stayed in your mind because I know it can be a couple of different things but usually mm-hmm. one memory or the other kind of wants to rear itself up a little more yeah so going back to Trinidad I think my like first artistic memories are there Uh because that's where I kind of spent like the early part of my life and I mean I think every most kids in school probably have some sort of art and crafts class Hmm. so I think that's probably my first artistic memory just the different art projects we would do in classes and like Trinidad being big on culture they're big on like everyone's culture right so there are a lot of religions a lot of holidays and whenever those like holidays came about we would always like make something related to that so like for example the hindu culture um like uh they have this holiday called diwali and -hmm. it's like a celebration of like light darkness forgive me if i'm like explaining this wrong because i actually don't know a whole lot about hinduism that's okay (laughs) 
<laughs> Except that around this time of the year in Trinidad, we would make something called a dia, which mm-hmm. is something that I think they would hold like a little small candle in. And yeah. so it's like made out of um, clay. It's like a ceramic. We wouldn't actually like make it like from scratch, but yeah. like it would be provided to us and we would decorate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's one example. And just like other like arts and crafts projects we would do in school. Uh, that's probably like my first memory. And then just like outside of like class projects and like structured projects. One mm-hmm. thing I... One of the first things I did on my own was actually make bracelets, not bracelets, keychains. So there was like this trend a few years ago with like making these bracelets with like this pl- flat plastic string. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's called, but no, we neither call do it I, but I know. It. Yep. Yeah, you know it, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's one of the very first things I did on my own. Like I saw someone else doing it. And this is actually kind of how I've gotten into all of the art things I've done is I saw someone else doing it. Yep. And I was like, oh, that looks cool. How do yeah. I do it? Can you teach me? Yep. And then I would learn and I would start making it myself and like make, like add my own twist to things and do things kind of how I like it. Yeah. Yeah, cool. It's funny how you you see somebody make a thing and you think, oh, it looks like I might be able to give that a try. And then suddenly you're in deep and you're just like down the rabbit hole. <laughs> Literally, that's, that's literally <laughs> it. I've, I used to crochet. I mm-hmm. started crocheting because I saw someone crocheting. <laughs> I paint. I uh, I learned to paint in uh, high school. I took a class. Mm-hmm. But the style of painting, like the um, this, kind of goes back to inspiration. Um, and I, I know we'll talk a bit more about this later. But the like the fact that I do abstract art. I mm-hmm. saw someone else doing it, and I was like, like, "Oh, that looks that looks cool. Let yep. let me try it and see if I like it." Mm. And yep. I did. I do. <laughs> so I'm curious because a clinical dietitian, I don't know. This is just judging from the words. To me, it sort mm-hmm. of sounds like a. I mean, it's an incredibly important job, but it also sounds very serious. And very, mm-hmm. you know, because you're talking about health and which is people's lives, like it's all tied in. Mm-hmm. And then there's art and abstract art mm-hmm. even. Mm-hmm. How do those, how do you go from being the clinical dietitian brain to the art brain? Because that's a bit of a jump. Yeah, it, it is. And <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason for that. Well, number one, I've always had the artistic side. Yeah. And there's also always been a part of me that liked science yeah. probably because of the artistic side, because the part of science that I like is the part where you get to create stuff. <laughs> the part <laughs> where you just watch how different things interact with each other and just, you know, create things. And so yeah. it is a big jump. And so going from like, I work in a hospital setting, mm-hmm. so Going from that to art, it, it's it might why it might seem like it's two different things. I mean, yeah, they are, but for me, it's it's like like you said, the nutrition and like clinical stuff is very serious, mm-hmm. um, and so art is very fun, and you can't be serious all the time. No, like you just can't, um, and especially like I started working a little bit before the pandemic started, the COVID pandemic Uh and so like that was a time of like a lot of seriousness a lot of you know darkness a lot of things happening frustration and so doing art and like creating especially the colorful work that I do is 
a way to get away from all of the seriousness of life. It's yeah. a way to kind of de-stress, to do something that's fun, to do something that makes you feel good, to do something that not only makes you feel good while you're doing it, but like afterwards, just looking at it, right? And whether that's me looking at it or someone else looking at it. Yeah. It's kind of like a from like a desire to to do something that like kind of makes you see the good in the world again. Yeah. yeah. Which was definitely needed. <laughs> yeah. So did you find in in some ways perhaps is making art kind of a release from the stress of work? Like it's it's almost maybe even like a mental health thing, like it's just a way of you going, "All right, putting aside serious holly. Now it's time for fun, flamboyant, over the top holly. Let's go make some art." Yeah, I would say that's definitely a big part of it. A huge huge part of it. Um just having like 2020 I like worked so much, like just more than usual mm-hmm. and you know wanting a break from that. Like I would come home and like just like watch TV because I couldn't do anything else because I was so yeah. tired. And yeah. so being able to like come home and like not be tired and like paint or do come home and like do something exciting, mm-hmm. uh, I I do like that. It's definitely a release. It's definitely you know has stress relieving properties. And I mean I started painting way before the pandemic, so it's not yeah. like oh this is something I picked up during the pandemic because I know yeah. a lot of people kind of use that time to learn yeah. things and do things they've never done. No, I was doing this before, yeah. but it, it definitely helped a whole lot. Um, and I don't even know if I painted that much during the actual pandemic, but it just kind of ties into the whole, like, this is, is definitely like stress relieving. Yeah. Um, it's fun. It's therapeutic. It, it, it helps with a lot of things. Definitely. So you yeah, mentioned that. Also, oh, you're right, <laughs> That's okay. Also, like, um, a way for me to do something hands-on, yeah. right? So yeah. like with working day, I'm not like hands-on, meaning I'm not like like touching things a whole lot, except mm-hmm. the keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I like like touching things, creating things, making things. So it's also like a way to do that. Yeah, yeah. I think there is something to be said for holding something in your hands or whether it's a brush or or paint like there's just it's just that tactileness that you know it just I don't know it just makes your brain triggers a whole different thing in your brain it certainly does for me anyway and yeah Yeah. I don't think anything can beat it no I don't I don't think so so you said you saw someone make abstract you thought all right I'm going to give this a try you tried it. Clearly you loved it. What do you think it is mm-hmm. about abstract that works for you as a really good way to express express yourself? Because looking through your work, there's definitely themes. Um, there's, you know, images that tie together as series and you can kind of, you get a feeling of where you are and where you're going with it. So what do you think that, that abstract gives you that perhaps another type of um, artistic expression doesn't? Yeah, I think for me, it's the fact that you can do whatever you want. And there's, I feel like there's a little bit less judgment. I mean, 
this is just the way I'm thinking of it. Cause I know yeah. some people that abstract art and they're like, what is that? That looks like nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like, I don't get why people like this. So yeah. that's the different population of people. We're not considering those, <laughs> yeah, not. <laughs> but um, for me, it's just the fact that like, you know, if I were to paint like an object or a person, I can't just do whatever I want. There things have to be a certain way for you to recognize it and for it to look good. Right. Mm-hmm. And of course there are people that, do like some kind of like um surreal like surrealism or yep. other types of paintings where it doesn't have to be like exact you know the thing that you're doing but you can still look at it and tell that's a flower and it looks good still right there's like a certain skill that's like needed for that and so for me I find that with abstract there aren't a whole lot of stringent rules and you know you can kind of just do whatever you want yeah there are some rules that we use to like make it work and make it look nice mm-hmm. but there's a lot more freedom and you can express whatever you want to express right if you yeah. want to like express like calmness you know you start painting like waves and like use the color blue and things like that and so that's I think is is the reason why and it's also like kind of forgiving so you can make a mistake and you don't have to start all the way over you just paint over it or you just go in a completely different direction you know if I start painting a pineapple and I decide like oh yeah this is not working out I can either like keep working at it to make it work out or like have to do something completely different yeah Yeah. um maybe like just throw the canvas away or paint over it white and do something else but like abstract and I, I do this all the time where sometimes I'm like yeah I don't really like the way this looks and you just start making things different about it but what you had underneath is like still there and it's still okay to like use different parts of what was there before yeah and I think I can see a lot of emotion in abstract and what I like about it is is it's quite often up to the viewer to decide what they get from it what they feel from it and there's nothing quite like that you know instead of I mean there is absolutely nothing wrong with realism or or you know any other type of art where it's you can recognize the subject and there's plenty of emotion in that but there is something to be said for abstract that what it, whatever you made whatever holly was feeling at the time when she made this abstract might not be what i get out of it but it's mm-hmm. really cool that we both get something completely different from that same thing like i find that really exciting exactly exactly and this isn't to say that like people who paint abstract paintings can't do other types of art or other types of paintings, right? You absolutely can. I started off painting still life. So I started off painting like real objects, either mm-hmm. objects like actually in front of me or from a picture, yeah. from some sort of reference. Um, I'm just like looking around my room and looking at the different things I have. So like behind me, you could see this picture. It's not quite a portrait it's like uh-huh. not like a realistic portrait uh-huh. but it is a like a picture of like a woman right with like yep. a lot of hair and yep. you can't see it but there's words in the hair and so they're positive attributes like unique beautiful powerful um i have a picture of like watermelon i have a f- abstract kind of fruit plate I have like a kind of like a landscape. I have a flower. There's a turtle. There's a tiger. (laughs) You wouldn't know from looking at my website that I do all these other things or I've done all these other things. Yeah. Um, But I've just chosen like abstract as like something to to stick with 
because yeah. as you can see, I, like I mentioned earlier, I have a lot of passions. I can easily hop from like this to something else, but mm-hmm. I'm disciplining myself to like stick with one thing and get really good at it. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. maybe pivot at some point, but for right now, we're sticking with abstract. Yeah, well, at the end of the day, you're always going to be an artist. So, you know, you can be an abstract artist for 10 years and then flip and suddenly become, I don't know, a landscape artist. Like, you know, there's just no, you're always an artist. So it doesn't mm-hmm. really matter. Yeah, and that's the beauty of it. Yep, absolutely. So thinking about your artworks and, you know, you've, you've just shared that you've got plenty of them hanging on your walls, but now you also sell your art. So Let's sort of what's that process like? Like, why did you decide to make that jump? And then how do you find that whole thing of selling your art? Because it's another, it's a next level. It's a different level from making art for yourself only to actually making it available and selling it to others. It is. And so, well, firstly, I always wanted, well, not always, but a few years ago, I decided that it would be a good idea to have a business of my own. Right. Mm-hmm. But it would have to be about something that I'm passionate about. So not just anything, because um, you can make money a lot of ways. Uh, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure there's easier ways than what I'm doing. So <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted it to be about something that I'm passionate about, something I actually like. And also even like kind of removing the business aspect of it. Before I decided that I wanted to sell art, I used to create art and give it away. Mm-hmm. Right. Either as Christmas gifts or very like Christmas gifts, birthday gifts, or very randomly. Like I remember when I was in college, I I painted, I was in an art class actually, and I painted a picture of a turtle and I found out that one of my friends liked turtles. And I'm not like that much of like a turtle fan. And that painting or that picture that I made, created was probably going to get thrown away at some point. So I said, instead of throwing this away, I could just give it to someone that really likes turtles. Mm-hmm. I gave it to him and he held on to it for, I don't know how long, but more than a year. And, you know, I would create other things for people and it was like personalized, something that either they, I felt like they could benefit from because like maybe it was inspirational or something like that. I would always just like create things and give them to people. Yeah, And these people have actually like, like held on to it, right? They didn't just say, oh, thanks. You know, they they took it and they kept it. And I would find out like years later, like, yeah, I actually still have that thing you made for me. And so I've just, just from doing that, realized that like people like my art or they've liked the things that I've made for them. Mm-hmm. And so why not make that available to more people, Yeah, right? And so it's, while it's great to be a philanthropist and give things away, um, I mean, I still give things away like to this day, but like creating art costs a lot of money. <laughs> it's very yeah. expensive. Yeah. <laughs> and so sometimes you just have to find a way to like monetize it so that you can continue giving and, you know, you can like give just for the sake of giving and you can give to other people in the form of them purchasing. Yeah. And I guess the other thing too, if you are, so you're making money, you're selling your art and making money from that, which of course allows you to buy more supplies. Uh, It may contribute to your actual cost of living and all those sorts of things. But then also if you're in a secure position financially, then you may be able to go, yep, you know what, this year I'm going to give away four of my paintings. Just just give them yeah. away randomly, right? And it won't 
it won't cause you if it doesn't cause you any financial stress then it's because we all we love most of us I think it's inherent to to be able to help people and give things to people and you know that sort of thing I think that's part of being human but if you can do it in a way where it's not making you any worse off then that's a that's an even more incredible thing because you're keeping yourself empowered and helping somebody else and so I think that's a really good thing to be able to go okay yeah it's all well and good to be giving them away but I need to look after myself as well and then be in a better position you know you might be able to afford to give away more because you've got more money coming in kind of thing so it's kind of works in a few ways exactly exactly I could not have said it better So that I have noticed um, going through your Instagram as well, because obviously, you know, research, I've, I've got to look for Holly as many places as I can. I noticed you do the thing where you're asking your audience to help you name pieces. This is a fun little thing that I've seen people doing. Why did you decide to do that? And how does that work to help you grow as an artist? Okay, so I'm glad you brought that up. I randomly decided to do that. Um, I think part of what drove me to it was that I had at least 10 paintings just sitting there mm-hmm. and I created them a few months ago. And so I probably should have named them a few months ago when I created them. So I could name them <laughs> things I was feeling or something related to that moment. Yeah. But those moments pass months ago. I have pictures. I took pictures. Um, and I mean, I posted snippets of them along the way on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're not all posted like on my feed, but some of them I posted in stories and I you know, went back and looked at the archive stories to kind of see what I was saying about the yeah. pieces. Yeah. And then I just thought like, hmm, you know, everyone sees something different. Let's just see what they think about this. Yeah. And Um, To be honest, I am not the best at coming up with names for things. (laughs) So, I mean, I don't, I I, I know another artist who she would like find a theme Mm -hmm. and then that would be a little easier to name everything because it was all around a theme. But the themes were things like, oh, this looks like a party happening. Let's name it after songs. Send me all your favorite party songs. Or uh, let's name this after candy, right? So if you decide to name something after candy, you just pull up a list of candy names and you're like, this one's Twix, this one's a uh, crunch, this one's that, you know? Yeah. And so I just decided, well, let's let other people do this. Like, why not? It's yeah. a fun way to promote engagement. Mm-hmm. And I did. And I mean, I got a lot of suggestions. And I also started noticing that p- some people kept saying, like for s- certain pieces, people kept repeating certain things. So like there's mm-hmm. this one particular people kept saying things like under the sea or coral or something about like the ocean yeah and so hmm this is like a little trend happening here maybe I should start creating more work that looks kind of like corals and oceans because it seems that people really like it and they resonate with it yeah well you're tapping into what they like they're helping you you know you're in it's a two-way conversation that you're having and it's it's also good because, you know, you've said, and I, I feel the same way about naming things. I rarely do, to be honest with you. And it's like, well, okay, that's the thing I don't really like to do. So here, here, my people, you name it for me, right? <laughs> Why not? Because and then even if they don't purchase that particular piece of artwork, they've contributed in some way as well. Like they've kind of got 
they're working with you in a way. Yeah, they, they, they are. And I give them credit. So I actually like those particular paintings they are on my website now. And in the description, I think maybe one of them, I created the name because I couldn't uh-huh. really find anything else from the suggestions. But all the other ones, like it literally says titled by and I put the person's name. Like, yeah. I like to give credit where credit's due. Like they help me come up with it. Why not? And then I also like offered them, you know, like uh, they can have a print of that, that particular piece or something else. Yeah. And they can get like a nice little discount for, for helping me. Yeah, that's really cool. And I guess the other thing with naming too is going back to what we were saying about abstracts, everyone seeing something different in it. Someone will see a name that you may not have even considered because you don't necessarily see what they've seen. So it's a, it's mm-hmm. a fun little thing. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But I, I did notice that with some of them, um, there were like, a, there was like a certain trend. Yeah. And I could see it once they said it, I could see it. And then I'm like, oh, other people see it too. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, really cool. So how do you get inspired? Like, and is it a different process? Like, are you making a, deciding on a series and then filtering down the different artworks from that? Or do you sort of start making artworks and then suddenly realize you have a series or a theme going on? Like, what's that process of creating like for you? Yeah, so when I first decided I'm going to paint abstract art, that I would kind of just start painting um, mm-hmm. like whatever like start putting colors down and like going in different directions and then I would step back look at it and kind of assess like you know what it looks like where do I want it to go where do I want it to take where do I want to take it so I would see like what's coming about and then go from there that was my process when I mm-hmm. first started um, and it still is a huge part of my process um, there are times where I kind of have an idea and there are other times where I just start and I see what emerges and then yeah. I create something out of what's what's emerged, right? Yeah. Take it in a different direction. And other times, like there's this one series that I've done. Um, there are like snippets of videos of it on my Instagram, but they're not on my website yet. But the series is called Color Storm because I randomly just created a few pieces and people told me that it looked like a tornado or like a color tornado mm-hmm. or something like that. And so I decided, oh, like, what if I just make an entire collection of things that look like this tornado-y, stormy thing? And so I would start off every piece with the intention of this is what I wanted to kind of have the the, the feeling of. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily have, like, an exact image in my head all the time of what I want it to be. I kind of just start. But mm-hmm. I know, oh, I want this to look kind of like a storm of just color yeah. or something like that. Yeah, so that's that's one aspect of it. Yeah, that's really cool. So so as for your inspiration, how does – is it – like are you someone – because I know uh, I recently spoke to someone who's heavily influenced by nature, so she'll go out into nature and then that sort of inspires her works. Other people are more urban or just, somewhat, you know, around them in their day-to-day. Like where does inspiration come for you? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's not necessarily like any one thing like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really just from the desire to create something that's like bright and colorful and that emits like happiness and joy and, you know, all those like good feelings because yeah. like I want to feel those things and I yeah. think a lot of other people do as well. And so it's really about doing that. Sometimes I start off creating things and it's really dark. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, wait, no, this is this is a little bit too dark. We need to brighten it up. Add some more color. <laughs> Let's uh, bring down these colors, get rid of this dark blue and uh, change it up a bit because we need, we need to look happy, mm-hmm. not sad. So do you have favorite colors? Because you work with a lot of color and a lot of vibrant colors, but as, is there sort of one particular color or one shade or one sort of family color that that really you're always pulled to? Yeah, it's blue. And it's just because blue, like in general, like in life is my favorite color. Now, which mm-hmm. one? I who I should have practiced how um pronouncing it because I can't for the life. I don't know how to say it right. So it's, it doesn't uh, P-T-H-A-L-U, flow. I don't so, know how you say that. Yeah, word. I, I sort of refer to it as Thalo blue, I think. Yeah. And I don't even know if that's right. It, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really weird, but that blue. <laughs> Gorgeous. I think it's blue with like a green shade. Yeah. And Stunning. What makes it like pop is when you add a little bit of white to it. Mm-hmm. So most of the, I actually don't own like every color there is to have. I own oh. like a few staples and then mm-hmm. I add other colors. I mix it with other things to create like what I want. Yeah. So with that particular blue, when you add white to it, it's so, it's so lovely. And I think that's actually probably why the last few pieces of paintings that I was showing, why people were saying that it looks like, you know, under the sea because I yeah. use a lot of that blue. Yes. Yeah. That would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, uh, quinacridone magenta is also mm-hmm. another staple. Yeah. That's like another favorite to that pink, if you will. Yeah. Blue, like my, my go-tos is my favorite. They are good. They're good colors and they're happy colors and yeah. soothing colors as well. Maybe not, maybe not the pink yeah. so much. Oh, look, pink can be soothing. I, I mean, you know, I love pink. It can be soothing, but not everyone agrees. Like a lot of people just dislike the color so much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, there's definitely a lot of pink in my work as well. Yeah. So when you're working, what sort of sizes are you creating? Have you got big pieces, small, all, all the different sizes? Like what's, or do you have a go-to and they're always sort of roughly the same? I have a range of sizes. It really ranges, well, from what I've done so far, this isn't to say that this is where I'm stuck at. Yeah. I definitely plan to go bigger. Yep. But what I've done so far ranges from four by four inches to uh-huh. 18 by 24 inches. Yep. Okay. That's the largest I've done. Um, yep. And four by four is the smallest. They're, they both have their own challenges. Yeah. When I first started doing abstract art, I was painting on like 12 by 12 and 12 by 18. Mm-hmm. Um just because the more the bigger your surface is, the more paint you use. Yep. And like I said earlier, this can get really costly. So sometimes <laughs> working on surfaces uh, yeah. help you to use less paint. <laughs> and then you can also create a whole lot more when you like create smaller. So yeah. uh, I have like 50 of those four by four pieces, actually more than 50. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's because they're so small, you can create like a lot all at once yeah i have yeah. a collection of paintings that are like the original size is eight by eight and i think i've created like about 10 of those mm-hmm. and create it the, the creation time was also much shorter whereas with the 18 by 24 pieces i can't do it in a day yeah it takes me a few days and that's not to say that i'm spending like 12 hours of a day doing it it's a few hours a day like maybe one or two hours over the span of a couple of days, it just, it takes a while to, to bring it all together. Sometimes you need the paint to, to dry. 
um, yep. before you can kind of come back to it or you start painting over colors and then those three start running into each other and it won't look as good. And are you, you using acrylics? I am using acrylic. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it does dry fast, but sometimes you need to like wait still for yes. it to completely yeah. dry. Absolutely. And do you have like, are there brands that you sort of prefer to use or are you just a, give me all the different paints? So I use, currently I use Golden and Liquitex. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those are two like major brands, like professional brands. I yeah. like the professional paints. Uh, yeah. They have like a lot of vibrancy to it. They go a really long way. They're not like watery um, compared to things that are like a little bit cheaper mm-hmm. um, i really like those two um do i don't really have a favorite between golden or liquitex they probably hate me for saying this <laughs> but, um if i had to choose between like if i just absolutely had to choose between golden and liquitex i think i would go with liquitex just because of the tube it's like a plasticky kind of tube and it's easier to get the paint out of when you're like almost finished compared to the golden it's kind of like in this um i don't want to say the the type of material that the the tube is made out of it's just a little harder to get the rest of the paint out when you're almost done um that's like the only yeah there's Hmm? something about that like there is nothing worse than having an art supply and it's great but you can't get the last of it out. Like it, it infuriates yeah. me. And it also, I notice when it's that like really tricky to to get out the last of the product, the other thing that my mind goes to is then the recyclability of it and the end use. And I just find myself going, why are we in this situation where you're making it so hard to use all of your stuff? Like, you know, it's a great feeling when you empty out an art supply bottle right. or packet or whatever, but they need to make it easy for us to do that. Yeah, and I mean, there's definitely a solution. I could buy the paint in a jar versus mm-hmm. a tube and yeah. that solves that problem, but the jars are bigger and so they cost more. They do, <laughs> and you don't necessarily always need more, especially as you're saying where you're mixing colours. Well, you might not necessarily need a great big jar of something yeah yeah it's one of those things <laughs> exactly but I love them both I use both of them I don't care what anyone says <laughs> yeah <laughs> well you've got to use what works for you that's the most important thing right exactly and and what about actual paint brushes do you have some kind of loyalty to a particular type or are you uh, use all the different ones I don't um, <laughs> I I have uh like so Princeton that's like a professional brand yep um and they have different categories so like one of them is catalyst so i have Mm -hmm. a few from that line i have a few from another line i forget the name and then i also have like a collection of brushes that i just got at like a department store yep they're different sizes and they're there and so i use them Mm -hmm. um i also bought a paint by numbers kit a few months ago and they came with brushes that are like really tiny i use those i'm not really like tied to brushes just use I have a bunch and I use what's there. Like for me, there's no need to buy any more because I have so many. (laughs) It's the biggest thing, isn't it? The art supply stash. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Do you have your own little studio space in your home? I have a space in my home that I took over and made it my space and called it a studio. That's that's all. (laughs) I have this uh, table. It's like in the dining room area that... Mm -hmm. 
I wasn't really using. No one really eats dinner at the table. Yeah. Uh, it's this huge, big, junky table that I almost threw away, but I decided, oh, it's a pretty huge space. I covered it with the white cloth and yeah. I paint on that. Perfect. I have everything there, like all of my completed works, they're all there. Um, when I sit down to paint, it's all there. And it's really helpful having a dedicated space because I don't have much setup. I don't have to like go and pull things out of containers and, you know. Yeah. That, that time that it takes to do that could delay you and you know you could yes. like kind of put it off For me I yeah. just go sit down and like everything's there yeah and I think that's a perfect example of it doesn't need to be a separate room or a separate building you've allocated this table this is Holly's art table this is where your stuff is and you're good to go and that is a that's enough of an art studio that's enough of an art space like it works perfectly yeah. for you and you know that's perfect yeah although i will say i will in the future like to have a dedicated room just because you know like more yes more space the more i create the more i need places to put things yeah yeah and but it is now it's nice to be able to shut a door on something and know that no one's going to come in and put hands or fingers like you know what i mean like there is yeah that that is a that is a nice feeling yeah right it definitely is Although having it out in the open sometimes helps too because then people see it. Yeah. Yeah, it goes both ways. Yeah. So as some final thoughts, would you? what would you say to somebody who's, who's gotten to the end of this episode, you've inspired them, they want to get out some colour and they want to make some art? What, what um, words could you offer to somebody? Ah, man, it, it kind of depends on how comfortable you feel with painting. Like I have a friend who she like, it almost gives her anxiety because she feels like painting it within lines. Like she can't, they just struggled mm-hmm. with it, right? Just the fact mm-hmm. that she has to paint within a line. If that's you, then like just buy a surface and just buy paint and then just start painting. Like whatever you want to do, just do whatever, right? There's yeah. no rules. There's no, nothing. Just, just. Be free. Um, yeah. However, um, if that's not you and you're like, oh, I don't mind painting with the lines. I actually want to paint and something that actually looks like something. Mm-hmm. Then I would suggest like buying a paint by numbers kit. So a paint by numbers kit is where there's like this. The goal is it's kind of like coloring within the lines. Like um, when you're in school and you had uh-huh. all these different lines you have to color within. So that's what paint by numbers is. It's like this picture that has all of these different lines and within each like shape that the line creates, there's a number mm-hmm. and there's paint that matches each number. And then they send you brushes. So you have everything that you need. You just have the kit, you have the paint, the brushes, you have the surface, you have the image. There's no thought that you need whatsoever. It's like the most mindless thing that you could do. You just buy that kit and then you just pick a color. It doesn't even matter which color you start with. And you just start looking for all the number twos and you paint that that's like very therapeutic like that's a very structured way to go about it but it's also for me really easy because the kit is already it's done for you yeah you don't have to decide what color should I get which brand paint should I get it doesn't matter so I would say kind of just decide like how how comfortable do you feel or do you want to follow along with something someone right in that case you could either look up a video and follow along with the video or you could go to a class like um here we have like sip and paint that's actually a brand i don't know what the actual thing is called but there's yeah. different um 
different brands, right? So yeah. Sip and Paint is like one of the most popular, but it's like a structured art class, but it's fun. It's meant to be fun. Yeah. Um, and they kind of tell you, okay, yeah, so like you start off with this and you do that. So just kind of depend. It depends on like who you are and like what what makes you feel good. Because if painting within the lines is going to frustrate you, then I don't want you doing that. Because I don't <laughs> want you to be frustrated with that and like never come back to it. I think within art, there's a place for everyone. Um, and you don't have to like call yourself an artist. You don't have to believe that you're artistic because everyone is we all have like you know a skill to do something and so that's that's what I would say they're perfect words that's best advice I think I've heard for quite some time (laughs) (laughs) thank you Holly this has been such an inspiring chat just before we wrap up would you be able to let the listeners know where they can find you yeah so I can be found on Instagram at Holly Forbes Art and then I also have my website which is hollyforbes.com. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much Holly. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you so much for chatting with me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Oh, my pleasure.